Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Welcome to Nobody Panic with me, Stevie, and Tessa over here, who's doing really well. <laughs> Hello, everybody. Hello. Um, yeah, I'll explain. No, you, you introduce <laughs> yeah, our introduce lovely guest, well, and no. then I'll say where I'm at. Okay, <laughs> so we've wanted to do this for a long time. We're really excited, um, but also respectful, but also just going to be a good, it's going to be a good episode. You will have heard of or read about or come into contact with um, the podcast Griefcast. To be honest, I think most people will have, will have just come into contact with you in general. Um, her name is Carrie Adloyd. I wander the streets constantly. She's touching so She's a nice. street wanderer. She's so nice. She's a comedian. You're, you've been on pretty much Salt every panel earth. show. <laughs> Salt of the Earth, of course. Oh, yes, um, of course. Improviser, if you're au fait with the uh, award-winning and groundbreaking work of Ostentatious. If you like improv, there's seven people listening. The seven people in the country. Improv. That's not true. You, they're queuing around the block for they you. Do, they, do, they, do. they are. They love you. And of course, the uh, upcoming book, which has sort of come from Griefcast, has been a big sort of platform for it. But um, the book You Are Not Alone, which is all about grief and your, your your experiences with it, and what you can kind of like help, how you can help like other people, how you can talk about it. Um, before I come to you though, Carrie, mm. um, <laughs> uh, Tessa's already crying. Tessa's already crying. I didn't make her cry. No, Carrie, I did I not make, make me cry. cry. I'm so sorry, everyone. I Moments before the podcast began, I apologised to Carrie that she asked me to go on the podcast, Griefcast, which I was so honoured to be asked. And I became so overwhelmed that if I did, I felt like I didn't deserve to go on it. Bless you. And I didn't have, I know people talk about such personal relationships and such important things. And I felt so lucky, I guess, that I ha- haven't had to go through it, that I felt that it would be some kind of jinx if I did. And then I started crying. <laughs> and then I said to you, that's very common. And that's then I felt common. so overwhelmed that p- other people had felt that as well. Yeah. And then you said, the fates aren't listening. And then I started crying again. Yep. <laughs> It's very common when we talk about grief or death, people, if they haven't been through what I describe as capital G grief, capital G, like grief, then 
it's quite scary because and it feels like a big club that you're sort of like oh I don't I don't I don't know about it and I don't want to ever know about it so it's very common to find it difficult to talk about which is also when it comes to talking about death and grief sometimes we don't know what to say or we don't we don't want to have that conversation because we do think oh if someone starts talking to me about like their mum having cancer I don't want my mum to get cancer so we start like acting like talking about it is contagious yes well because it's really common it feels like it's the one thing I mean there are many things but it feels like the one thing that you can't control control yes obviously and um so then it makes sense that we would try to control it yeah. in kind of ways that aren't logical or are superstitious because yeah you know. and it's the one thing that also you can't control and is definitely going to happen yeah and i liken it a lot to like you know like not everyone goes to university or not everyone um like gets a mortgage or like has internet banking like there's certain things <laughs> Death like, is very similar to internet banking you have to like make a choice and be like oh, i'm gonna do that and i'm gonna have to figure that out but you could go through life being like you know what i'm fine i don't have to do that but like death is going to happen don't Sorry, Tess. Okay. <laughs> Deep breath. Death oh. is going to happen. And so because it's so guaranteed, it's almost like you, you can walk away from it because it's like, well, it, it will happen. And so therefore, I don't need to think about it. I'm just going to close the door and then it will never find me. And it becomes, like you said, this uncontrollable thing. And I think it's also really important to acknowledge like we are kind of, yeah, without saying like an arsehole, like we're tribal people and we're used to like, we're built to survive like, you know, in wasteland, jungle, Serengeti life. That's the technical term. And like, <laughs> wasteland, if, jungle, Serengeti If life. we were in our tribe millions of years ago and somebody died, it would mean they had a disease or an illness that wasn't safe. So that would mean we'd probably need to be away from them. So there is like a rational feeling of like, oh, don't be near sickness, don't be near illness. Like mm. it takes a special kind of person to nurse someone, to stay near someone who's sick. Because everything in your body is like, get away, run away. And that's what happens when you talk about death is someone starts telling you, oh, my so-and-so died of this. Part of you is like ah alarms run away I don't want to die I don't want this thing they're telling me about like that's completely normal and I think all that happens is the more you talk about it you realize oh it's just a panic yeah. it's a panic conversation in your head and then actually you're fine and it doesn't matter how much you talk about it they're still going to die people are still going to die it doesn't matter you can't jinx your way through it or you know do any of these things but I I had similar when I was younger and I would just think like yeah don't don't talk about it too much because like the, yeah, the fates will hear and then they'll take someone else because they've already taken someone and you're just like looking for ways to make it logical because there's no logic that we exist here for a brief amount of time and we can't decide how long it is and then we don't like that's mad I, I think I'll wait I've been carrying on a really long time she's like <laughs> yeah, left my body you. good I'm really glad don't, I, don't carry that weight there's enough to I know carry it's in this mad world. isn't it yeah. and I know like a friend a, a really good friend at university in fact my housemate at university lost her mum and I I did I, I, I carry this like huge guilt that I wasn't good enough at the time to support her and I think there was this huge like yeah this fear that was gonna it was contagious but also this like huge like guilt that I had I had a mum and yeah, she did it and yeah, like yeah. so much stuff that I just was completely unable to like but it's so common and that's the, that's the thing like with grieving like especially when talking to people like this is what I the main thrust of the book is like you're gonna get it wrong yeah. Like if we start from there, <laughs> then we can all relax and like take that pressure off mm. ourselves. Because what happens in this country particularly, and just generally, is like we all try so hard to get it right that we freeze. We can like disable ourselves of like, well, I just I can't say anything because I have a mum and uh, like... And there's nothing. Yeah. And then that person is left going, oh, I'm still sad and no one's saying anything. <laughs> yes. Why is yeah. no one saying? Whereas if you start literally from the premise of I'm going to get this wrong and begin there... Yeah. Because you can't get, the reason is you can't get it right. One, there's no right thing to say. There isn't a universal sentence that works for everybody. Grief is completely unique. 
one day you could say something to me, I'll be fine. The next day it'll make me burst into tears. So there's genuinely like no perfect sentence. And you can also, these other thing I write in the book so much, it's like you can get it wrong and say that. So if someone says to you, oh, you know, how are you? Oh, my my mum just my mum just died a couple of weeks ago. Obviously, alarm bells, alarm bells. Oh my god, what do I say? What do I say? And you can it's totally fine to say to someone, "Oh my god, I'm so sorry. I have no idea what to say to you, but I just want you to know I'm very sad, and I wish I knew something better to say than that." Mm. Like, say mm. the things that are in your head. The things that are in yes. your head, like, "Oh, I don't know what to say," and I feel so bad because I've got a mum, and that makes me feel terrible. And I want to just tell you that I'm just. Just, just, I just feel for you and I just want to help you is so much better than not saying anything and this is the other thing it's a long game so you don't have mm. to, everyone thinks you've got to be there at the beginning yes. and say the right sentence and then in six months time it would be like oh it's all over so, and know. then we'll just move on You're I like, did text you saying yes. thank you of you my god what more do you want yeah. <laughs> so like it's like it's a long game like so this the whole book is about like grief is with you forever it's lifelong it doesn't go away that doesn't mean you're like in pieces every day but you mm-hmm. carry it with you one of the things that i've struggled with is 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 do like so how how is it your dad's still dead like you know like are you still sad about your dad like, you know, well, i want to bring that up. but you kind of go like how's it all going that's such a great how's question the, you, like, you know like are you still sad about your dad that's honestly <laughs> i'd love that question i'd be like yeah, what am I? It stays with you. And that's the thing that I say in the book so much of like, the argument from the book is grief is a lifelong process. It never goes away, but you learn to live with it. Now that doesn't mean, like I said, I'm not in pieces. I don't have like a framed photo of him with candles around that I weep to every morning. But it means like every now and again, I get hit by this, oh man, shit that he died. Yeah. <laughs> really yeah. shit. That's so shit. Oh, he would have liked that. And and it's just a wave and a, just a feeling in the same way that you might suddenly think, oh, it's a shame I'm not 21 anymore and I can't run as fast as that person is running. You know, it's just this yeah. feeling of like, oh, and if you just let it be and mm. let it happen and then it then it goes again. And then it's it's just, that's the thing grief is always asking you to do is just let it be and not go, oh, I'm not going to feel that. I'm fine. It's 20 plus years since my dad died and everything's fine. Like that's when you get into problems. The thing that we say in the book, we, I say in the book, um, is how are you today? Such a great question. How are you? How are you doing today? Especially with early grief, because it's so up and down and it's so raw, and it's the first year is like an absolute roller coaster of shitstorm. So, how are you today? Is a really great one because it just means they can be like, oh, today actually today was an okay day. Oh my god, today was awful. Like I was crying for the moment I woke up and I haven't stopped. Like it just narrowing it down, being specific. Like how was it after the funeral? Like mm. how did the funeral go? How are you feeling now? The funeral's done. Has everyone? Does it seem like people have forgotten? Or like, do you want to talk about it? Is the other great to say? Like, do you, are you in the mood to talk about it? No, I really don't want you. I want you not to mention it. Great. Okay. Cool. Yeah. And right, that's yeah. Like let you can let them lead because everybody's so different. But yeah, I think it's just being brave and also being fully prepared you're going to fuck it up immediately. Especially if you haven't done big G grief, then you you don't know. It's a room you don't understand. So that's like just come from it from that point of view. Like they can now speak fluent French and you can't. It's when people say nothing, it yeah. that's when you just think, Oh my god, it's like it didn't happen or that person doesn't exist. Like that feels really cold because it feels like they don't care. But it's not that they don't care. It's because they, they're mm. so afraid of, they care too much, they're not saying anything. But they're saying nothing, having nearly interviewed 200 people about it, they're saying nothing is universally taken as, you don't give a shit. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. yeah Even though that's not the case most times. So do it badly, but do it is, yeah. is way more important. Um, a friend of mine who went through it last year, I really just like... Th- 
recluse into herself. Mm. And I, having been like listening to your stuff and being like, okay, we're showing up. Where's <laughs> how are you today? And I was really trying. And I would go around. And I would, leave, you know, she was never in. And I would like leave things. And I would text her a lot. And then I was like, at what point am I crossing into like stalker territory <laughs> yeah. of not being wanted? Yeah. And maybe our friendship not being st- quite <coughs> strong enough for me to be like, I'm coming in now, yeah, you know, yeah. that she doesn't actually want me there. And I think it was, a, and then some other people, I suppose I spoke to other friends who were like, I think she's just, and I don't yeah. think, you know, I'm sort of taking on board that like the, the things aren't going unacknowledged. Yeah. But like find this line of like, at what point do you just have to back off and be yeah, like... Yeah, it's a really... And that's the thing, it's so individual and it's a really fine line. And, like, it's all very well me sitting here and being like, show up and do it. But, like, if someone doesn't want it, they don't want it. <laughs> like, you know, and Kenny... Kenny, Ethan Jones. Thank you, not yeah. Rogers. That's all my brain gaming. <laughs> I was like, stop, Kenny Rogers. <gasps> Kenny, Ethan Jones, I interviewed him. And he was saying that he put, like, a note on his door, which was like if you're thinking about knocking, fuck off. <laughs> okay. <laughs> After his mum died. And I was like, wow, that is, like, th- that's so bold because it's so clear. And he was like, yeah, I just didn't want to see anyone. And I was like, that's amazing. Because most of us let people in and go, oh, okay, I don't really want you here, but okay. Yes. So if your friend is making that choice, I think you did the right thing. You keep showing up, you keep showing up. And if the door is permanently closed and you go, okay, leave them for a bit. But again, it's like long journey. So you could leave them for a bit, six months later, hey... Yeah. Just thinking of you. I know you've had such a shit year. Or even, you know, I don't know, I'm quite a, like overly blunt person, but you could say, hey, it really seems like you don't want me around. That's totally fine. I just want you to know I am not going to be around because it seems like that's the case. But if you need me, I'm there. <laughs> oh, baby. Because I'm doing what I think you want me to do. But like, don't feel like yeah. I've left you. Like we can, you know, we have so many ways to communicate these days. Like there's so many WhatsApp messages, Instagram, like all this stuff. So it's it's perfectly fine to... Yeah, wait a while and mm. come back to them as well and not be afraid. Nothing is permanent, you know. The death is permanent and that's what, when they're in the first year of grief, that's what's so hard is like they can't get that person back. But you and their relationship can change. And it might be that they've so changed the person they they move to a different space. Like that does happen a lot with grief. Like your world is turned upside down, everything implodes. Mm. And you are completely different. You have to sort of learn to walk again and learn. And it might be that you go back out into the world and those friends that you did have are just so far removed from where your head is at that you can't go out and have drinks anymore and be like, like joking around about nothing. Because in your head, you're like, people die. Yeah. (laughs) Death is with me. Death is with me. (laughs) I was a real fun teenager, you can imagine. Because that's where I was at 15. And so that, but that also, again, nothing's, like, it can change again. Like they might need two years of like completely shut up shop, not seeing one. And then they might, poke their head out and be like oh actually I'm I'm ready to have a cup of tea now but you just it's about waiting isn't it and if you love someone and you are their friend then you you can wait and you will wait so it's just when they look like they're ready you're like hello I'm here <laughs> I'm back and they're like oh you my fucking stalker great <laughs> you fuck you no more lasagnas okay I'm fine as a person with a very deep voice I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right. Over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs. Also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. 
So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Another big thing is anniversary. So if you do have a friend that loses a parent or, you know, some very close member, put in your iCal a year from now. Like just yeah. put it in like so-and-so's dad anniversary and then also put in six months because that's the other thing that happens is you weirdly the six months in a year are quite big deals. Mm. And if you can just like, again, you don't have to be like, today is the day your father died. <laughs> just a reminder. In a case reminder. <laughs> but you could easily be like, oh, hey, I, I'm just, you know, just remember it was like, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> Tess is, has been crying the whole time. <laughs> this is also my nightmare. Is that like, what if when they, I say like, how are you today? and do you want to talk about it and then I just start crying and what's really common is that when it's a grief removed like a bit removed you cry more like so many people say that yeah. like didn't cry at my father's funeral went to friend of a friend's like mother that had known me as a child bawled my eyes out like yeah. that is so common I mean I do say in the book like the, the key thing is like you've got to remember you're not the lead you're the supporting actor that's like my- that's the key and also I think it's the other thing to think is you don't it's not your job to be the friend for everything like there'll be other friends who like don't cry who can sit there who who, who are in the club already who are like yeah fucking I'm gonna sit and get drunk with you and talk about how shit it is as much as I love my grief friends who like when Father's Day comes around like we can just like roll our eyes at each other or like oh my god did you see so many alive dads on Instagram today <laughs> Like, fucking hell, it's their live dad day. Oh, they're all alive. Well done, you. Like, but I can say that to my friend Hannah because her dad died when she was a kid and we yeah. were at school together and we, we get real joy out of that. But then it's really nice to know other people aren't in that because that would be horrible if the world was everybody felt like that. It's very hard if you haven't been through such, like big G grief to really get it. It is really hard. And it's a bit like, um, I've been in a long-term relationship for a very long time. So when I had single friends when I was younger who like, Oh, you know, broke up with someone again. I was not the girl to be like, hey, I met someone really brilliant when I was really young and we, we love each other. Do you want to talk to me about it? Yeah. No, they did not want to talk to me. They were like, yeah. fuck you and your settled relationship. Mm. And I remember feeling like, oh, oh I'm, not, I'm not allowed in this chat, am I? But it was like, yeah, I'm not because I don't get it. And my single friends were like, yeah, they're bastards. Let's talk about them. I was like, oh, I see. That's that's their room. And I can be in the room, but I def- I, I can't always like chip in. You know, I can be gently member. crying. Yeah, I can be gently <laughs> crying. <laughs> my life's so wonderful. My, my boyfriend's so caring. I have a boyfriend. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, you just you, it's the thing of like you just showing up is enough. Like it's enough to show up, get it wrong, try, and remember. And also remember, like if you're not in the big G gang, 
then um, it's a new I have never used that phrase right. before quite, <laughs> the, the big, big G gang <laughs> then like you can also be part of the like distraction club of like the person who takes them out and doesn't talk about it and like gives them a break from it and like goes to watch a film that's really stupid or goes to watch comedy and doesn't bring it up and is like hey you know what we're not going to talk about it tonight you're just going to have a nice time and we're just going to enjoy it and give you a night off from that because when you are grieving you're spending a lot of time thinking about it and it is I mean that for me is what improv did like it just like opened up this space where I, I didn't have to think about it and I could just like laugh my head off at a gig at work and be like oh my god that was so nice we just laughed and then we went home like nobody <laughs> brought up death um, until I did a podcast about it and made it a daily thing <laughs> is it as somebody who has gone through the big G grief gang um, <laughs> initiation process um, my partners both his parents have died and his his thing, you know, he said he's sort of, we've spoken a lot about it, but he was sort of saying about how the odd thing is that it's just, you know, people can't, he, he didn't want to speak to anyone about it because mm. they go like, oh, I'm so sorry. And you, you're like, that's it's not, not really enough uh, considering <laughs> what's happened, if, if we're all honest. But also, I don't yeah. want you to be upset. So, yeah. like, there's this horrible push and pull. Of, well, that's it. There's no right. There's yeah. no right. And I definitely don't mind. I'd take someone crying over someone being cold, definitely. Yeah. Like, I've had people go, oh, right. <laughs> Wow, that's so bold. Somebody once said to me, you're not the only one whose dad died. No, they didn't. Had, had their dad died? Yeah. And I said, how old are you? And he was like, I was in my 30s. And I went, I was fucking 15. Because I was like, and then I was like, what is happening here? Yeah. We're having a competition. Yeah. People say unbelievably stupid things. So like, please, if you're worrying about what to say. What a horrible thing to say. Oh, I guess he had a lot of unprocessed. He definitely didn't. It, it no, really came it. out of nowhere and it really made me, it was like this sort of like party and I was like, oh, oh this is party. weird. I was like, oh, okay. I have, I sort of have to go because <laughs> like that, I don't think I can come back from that. Um, but like, well, definitely when people have been empathetic, like that's what you're feeling when someone's, like you said, like you're not, what you don't want to do, which I think is your fear and I don't think you are doing is do the like, oh, if it happened to me, oh my God, I love my parents so much like that's when it's like oh this is weird because now I'm comforting you but if yeah. you're just sobbing because you're so sad for that person that just feels like love and empathy I'm yeah. not crying for me yeah, <laughs> I'm yeah, really yeah. not just crying for this yeah, so sad and that's nice Tess is still crying just if anyone oh, else. that, that yeah. feels nice to a person it does <laughs> it's good emotional stuff it's Sponsored raw who gives a crap tissues yeah genuinely really great tissues so I'm really, get, really getting through them she's wiping her ass with them now <laughs> it's not even got anything to do with the crying oh god yeah, I, do, I think like again we just worry so much about doing yes. the wrong thing and, and also like if you do cry you can always text someone the other day and go I'm so sorry I know I was so weepy like I like I've had people say it to me I've just been telling them my story and they've started weeping and I've been because it's happened so you know so many years ago I've been like oh 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 yeah oh yeah I guess it is sad isn't it oh sorry I'm used to it so I think it's I think it's you know it's it's okay Mm. it's okay is I find the coldness difficult Mm. um that's when when people seem like when they're talking about or I had someone say like, well, what happened? And you're like, oh, why are you saying it like that? Like, go, go gently. Like, yeah. like, oh, I'm sorry to hear that. Start there. Start with yeah. something. So I I don't mind a bit of weeping at all. And, it, and it, you know, the other thing, I guess, is to say, I'm sorry for your loss is the the, the phrase, mm. which some people hate, loathe with a passion. I actually don't mind because I think it's really helpful. And I did a grief cast live in Sweden. And um, 
I thought they'd brought me over because they were like, oh, we love talking about death. And they were like, no, we're really bad at it. We don't have a phrase. We don't even have, I'm sorry for your loss. Oh, wow. No. We have, we have nothing to say. So when someone dies, all they have is a very old fashioned phrase, which literally is the equivalent of me saying, my dearest Sarah, my sorrow passes upon your soul this day. Like it's so old fashioned oh, wow. that nobody says it. Yeah. So they said to me, they're like, well, because we don't, we only have one phrase and it's really weird. It's like old Swedish. So we just don't say anything. <gasps> So I was like, so no. when someone died, they were like, yeah, you just avoid it. Try and not bring it up. <laughs> oh, my God. So I, from that point, I was like, you know what? I'm sorry for your loss. Come in. Welcome. Yeah. Thank you. Like, at least we have that. But I know some people hate it. So, again, this is the trouble with grieving people. Like, we're all so different. There's not, you're never going to get everyone agreeing on what they want. Like, when you when someone dies, you're having to figure out the world without them. And it's everything is new, because it's like, I have to get up in the mornings without them. I have to go to work without them. I have to, like, know the Elizabeth line exists without being able to tell them. Like, all these stupid things. So you're having to figure out a whole new way of thinking all the time. So how you want your other people to deal with it will also change as you accommodate your grief in your life. You'll also be like, oh, well, last week I didn't want to speak to anyone, but actually this week I just really want no one to bring it up, but I want to watch horror films for a week. Like Grief is like a ball of emotion. It's, it's, that's the thing. It's not the five stages. That's bullshit. It's, it's everything. It's anger. It's sadness. It's happiness. It's joy. It's regret. It's ennui. It's all of these things at exactly the same time rushing towards you. Mm. And sometimes that reaction is to feel overwhelmed and to cry because you're like, oh, this, this is just sad. And sometimes the reaction is, that's so terrible. I will feel none of those things. Yes. Put them over there. Thank you very much. And I did that a lot. For like my teenagers was like, no, I'm fine. Mm. <laughs> How am I today? I'm fucking fine. Leave me alone. <laughs> oh, yeah, you seem fine. You really seem fine. Um, <laughs> and that's grief just wants those emotions to be heard. Mm. And sometimes, like I said, there's no, sometimes people like ball their eyes out for a year afterwards. And sometimes they don't ball their eyes out. And then five years later, a cat dies and they, they can't get up. That's mine, yeah. Like, I think that will be mine. And also as well, like, when I'm speaking to people who have grieved as well, like, when I went to, to the funerals, I was so overwhelmed by my friend's grief mm. that they, I was watching them just struggle. Like, one of them gave this most incredible speech about, and it was like a double funeral. Oh, it was God. his dad and his dad's dad. And oh, like, God. it was just, it was honestly the worst mm. that I've really experienced. But like, I couldn't cry. And then was so like, oh my God, my friend might think that I don't care. No, you've literally <laughs> travelled to the funeral. Like, of yeah, course. And like, again, you're not the main character. Yeah, like, they're not the main Isn't it character. helpful to be like, uh, you know, like I got drinks in and well, then other people cried. Like, your t- Tessa will have cried. I'll, I'll, I'll be doing it for the both of <laughs> But like, there's, everybody's bringing different things yeah, to, different to, to the table. Just an and you'll get it wrong. You'll yeah. get it wrong. Somebody's died. Like, that is the shit thing that's happened. Yes. Anything you do, it might be annoying or hurtful or sad, but it's not it's not really as bad as a person dying. Yes. Like yes. that is the worst <laughs> yes. thing. And sometimes I think we tie ourselves in knots of like, well, what if I do this? What if I do this? It's like, but the person but already died. Yeah. They died. Yeah. Like, really. And often what happens is you might get a friend lashing out at you and be like, oh, well, you didn't do this. You did it. That's, they're not angry at you. They're angry someone died. Mm. Like I have seen so many people grieve publicly on social media about something else and had people contact me and be like, oh, someone's always in a fucking weird mood. And I'm like, they're grieving. The reason they're screaming about something else is they're angry the person died. They're sad the person died. But and you, it's so common to be like, they're suddenly having a fight or they're picking fights with friends or they got really drunk. It's because that emotion, that ball of grief is too much. So they've decided to take it somewhere else. Mm. And that again, like if you're doing that and you're in the middle of grieving, 
it's okay. Like for years, because I avoided it for so long, I was like, oh, I did it very badly. I did very wrong. Shouldn't have done that. And now I'm like, I did the best I could at the time. I was fucking 15. Like mm. I did the best I could. And I probably should have asked for help way earlier, but I didn't. And when I did, at least I eventually did. So it's mm. kind of be... I don't know, it's like, it's life, life's really hard, like, this show proves, like, it's tough, it's tough out there, it's tough to know what the right thing to do is, like, you just do the best you can, and admit when you've got it wrong, I think that's the key, like, don't, don't act like, oh, they're they're being ridiculous, it was their fault, it's like, they're in grief, they don't know what the fuck they're doing, Mm -hmm. so, like, probably just try and give them a lot of, what's the word, like, leeway, if they're being a bit of a dick, or they're causing rows for no problem, or they don't want, they're not replying to any texts, be like, well, they're they're grieving. Because I've had a lot of other messages from people being like, oh, I'm grieving, and so I said to my best friend I didn't want to go to their wedding, and now they're furious with me. But, like, I'm trying to be like, well, my mum died six months ago, and they've they've taken that as you hate me. So it's, again, it's just being like, everything for the first couple of years, a bit difficult. Yeah. You know, like, everything, like, if you have a wedding, or you have a job thing, or, like, they are always going to see it through the lens of grief, of like, well, I don't get to tell my dad that or I don't so so just be gentle with people who are in the midst of it because it you know it's hard for us to be like woohoo for your great <laughs> your mm. alive parents yeah. like we can't woohoo them but we're still we're happy that you've got them but we just can't woohoo on um on certain days yeah 100 <laughs> percent I um I met this pa- I met this paramedic once at a party who was saying telling a funny story about when you get to a scene sometimes people who are already there have tried to help or do something or you know not like death death defying accidents but just like whatever someone's unconscious and sometimes they put them in like an insane position or they've done something just just fucking wild yeah. and you get there and then the put they're so relieved that someone else is here now and they always say like i'm sorry i'm sorry i i did this or i did that and he said you we're trained to say you did what you thought was best Aww. and then you just move on and you deal with this person now but the phrase like that you did. They don't say you did fantastic yeah, because you categorically <laughs> don't fuck, lie. You fucked that. That's absolutely yeah. dreadful. Yeah. Their legs weren't broken. They are. And now. They are now. So <laughs> you did what you thought was best. You did what you thought was best. Is such a like, yeah. you, and that's the truth. You did do what you thought was best, and that's all you could have done in that yeah. situation. And you and, and people be like, okay. And, and he says, everybody goes, oh, okay. Yeah, I did yeah. what I, you know. I put, put, I put something regret. on Instagram yeah. about the book, and somebody posted something made me laugh so much that she, a friend, had a bereavement, and she was so. Panicked about helping, and she thought, "Oh, you're supposed to send food. You're supposed to send food." So she just panicked, and she just sent them some pasta. <laughs> dry, dry pasta, dry pasta, <laughs> with a condolence card. And she was like, sort of like embarrassed. And I was like, so good. You did what you thought, thought was, was best. best. <laughs> and I hope she doesn't mind me sharing that. Like, she put it on Instagram. But I said to her, "I'm crying, laughing. Like you have made my day because the, because you see the thought. You know that yes. they. You, we've all been that person who's gone." Yes, yes, food. I'm being so helpful. Putting it in the jiffy bag, posting it off. Yes, I've done a good thing. And then getting home, being like, pasta, fucking dried pasta. Yeah. <laughs> Anyone can get dried pasta. There's no. But that's thing. You, we sometimes do things that have the right heart in in them, the right start from the right place, but they're not quite the right thing. But that's okay. And like when you do lose someone like massive in your life, it, it's for life. This this feeling of grief is for life. So you won't know what you need. That's the other thing. Like if someone, like you said, your friend is like closing the door, that moment that's probably all she can do is close the door. But she doesn't know what she needs. And that's the thing. Don't say Mm. to people, let me know if I can do anything. Don't say that. I would say that is a good principle. Because you're putting it on them Mm. to tell you and they are thinking, I don't know. I don't know what I need. So if you say, let me know if I can do anything, it makes you feel like, I've said it, Mm. I'm there. But it makes them go, 
well, I can't ask them to help me with the probate and I can't ask them to clear my dead mother's wardrobe and I can't ask them to like, you know, I don't want to ask them to come out with me because I'm a wreck at the moment and I'm probably really depressed. So it, you just, they probably go, oh, okay, thanks, I will. And then they don't say yeah. anything. Whereas if you say, you can be specific. Would you like me to come around and sit with you while you do this? Or think about your skills. Like, are you super good at tidying up? Are you super good at distracting? Or is your special skill finding a great f- film to see? So it's like, what can you do? And be like, well, I'm going to come around, I'm going to just empty all your bins. And they might be like, <laughs> okay. But when you've gone, they'll be like, oh, that's... No, that's good. I don't have to do that. <laughs> like, okay, well, yeah. yeah. Or like, again, yeah, don't send flowers because flowers die. Yeah, And they look disgusting. Gosh. And yeah. they, they smell of rotting yeah. death. And so <laughs> if you're surrounded by that, I, I always say quite nice, send like nice tea bags or nice biscuits because mm. they're going to have loads of people coming around. Doesn't have to have any, you know, nice herbal tea or make some biscuits or just go around if like they have kids. Can you watch their kids for an hour where they do some admin? And Or are you someone who's like, I will be on hold for 45 minutes so I will ring the bank for you I will be on hold for 45 minutes while you do everything then I'll be like they're here they're here like you know you, there's mm. things you can do that are very practical if you really think about it but also you kind of have to be you said like a certain friend that's in that circle yes if you're not in, in that circle yeah, and it's you've creepy. sort of met, met twice and they're like I'll be on hold for the bank <laughs> okay uh, <laughs> oh my god so you have to read the room you have yeah. to read the room and I say that in the book as well about asking questions like if especially with COVID, that was a big thing. I had a lot of people get in touch with me saying if they'd lost someone to COVID, people were being like, oh my God, did they, but did they have it when they died? But were they tested? Because what they were saying is, oh, oh I'm so afraid of my fear of COVID. So I want to know exactly how did your person die? Yeah. Did they really have it? But had they been tested? Are you sure it was that? Because they were, God, yeah. they were scared. Mm-hmm. And then they're a grieving that. person going, I'm not only grieving, but I have to justify the COVID death to you yes. because yes. maybe you don't believe in COVID right now or maybe you think that the care homes will, you know, all this stuff. So it's like when you ask questions about how someone died, really think to yourself, do I need to know this mm. or do I want to know? Yeah. <laughs> like, am I yeah. like, oh, what happened? Ask ask the person, ask their friends, like yeah, maybe yeah, rather yeah. than them, if you're really, also if you're really that desperate, like how, then maybe ask yourself why you're that bothered. Yeah, I just want to and that's a big thing, sorry to make it very serious, but with suicide, mm. don't ask the details. Oh my God. So do not ask how they did it, what hap- what exactly happened, oh like because that's, you know, when we're talking about traumatic grief, that's obviously you're taking them back to like the absolute point of trauma. So if you know someone who's lost someone to suicide, you just just be there for them. It doesn't you don't need to go into what happened, why it happened. And I think it's a very what I think we, is important to acknowledge, we all think it. Of course we all think it. Mm. Oh my God, but what happened? Who did they speak to last? Were they okay? Were mm. they in therapy? Like, of course we all have those questions because we want to help. Don't say them out loud. Yeah. <laughs> or go to your other friend and be like, oh, I have no idea how, how they did it or what happened. I didn't know they were depressed. Like you're allowed to have that conversation, but with the person who's lost that, do not, yeah. It's, it's a it's a how can I help, but it's also this like somewhere very deep in you is also this like if I have all the information, I can make sure it doesn't happen to yeah, other exactly. people. And it's like, yeah, yeah, it's control. So it's it's control. control, and so it's being like, give me everything, even though that's the useless, yeah. worthless yeah. what you've totally taken worthless. from them and yeah. it's caused them so much harm to give it to you. And that's why I said when I've felt more like when I've. Uh, had a bad experience people ask me they'll be like well what did he die of well how long and well what treatment do you have and that, when you start getting to those questions you're like why does it feel like I have to justify why or they love to say things like oh did he smoke oh right yeah. oh making it like oh, yeah, it's God. Yeah. Uh, it's we, we do as well and I my wow. favourite game to play because my dad died at 44 
which obviously when I was a kid, I thought it was very old. Now, embarrassingly, it's not old at all. Still very relevant. <laughs> as, as a 40-year-old, not a 40 I don't even want you to think I'm 44. That's too old. I want to make clear. So um, when people ask me intrusive questions, I will say, this upsets people who are intrusive because I'll be like, oh yeah, he was 44. He was training for a marathon. He had run triathlons all over the road, he, uh, all over the world. He was training for an Ironman. Uh, he did smoke and drink as a young, but he was like incredibly fit and healthy. And the doctor said part of the reason the cancer spread so quickly was he was so fit and healthy because I love just their faces when they're like no so even if I'm healthy and I'm like even if you're fucking healthy death exists yes. so do not look for a narrative to make yourself feel better because mm. that's what you're mm. doing you're going I jog so I'm okay right because yeah. your dad died of cab but I jog no you're not you're still it still could happen to you it could yeah. happen to anyone so stop trying to make it oh I'm in this camp because my dad did a thing that made it oh, oh they weren't looking when they crossed the road okay fine I, I always look yeah, yeah. I'll yeah. be fine it's like oh it was one of those was it oh fine, yeah, fine, yeah, yeah. Fine, you fine, see fine. I can relax they because relax they go or they say things and again this when it comes to pregnancy loss as well like that's mm. a big thing well how many weeks what does it matter what does it matter oh my gosh like because yeah. we call it on the show grief maths so you want to be like like they'll be like oh well my you know my grandma died I'm very upset how old was she 90 oh 90 oh okay and if I say well how long ago was your dad you know had your dad die and I say oh it's like 20 plus years ago oh right okay you can see they're thinking, oh, it's quite a long time ago. You're probably all right. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. Because yeah. you do the maths in your head. Oh, you know, what was the, the pregnancy loss? Oh, she was two weeks pregnant. Oh, right, two weeks. Oh, right. Like, yeah, like that matters. Like it matters. And you know what? You can be, you can lose a pregnancy at two weeks and be fine. Mm. And you can lose a pregnancy at two weeks and not be fine. Yeah. It's very unique. And we try and say there's no grief hierarchy as well. So, like, if someone is upset about a dog or a cat <laughs> or grandparent, no, genuinely, like, we've had, I've done episodes on pet grief. Like, if you're upset, you're upset. Yeah. Like, there's no point giving yourself shit about it and being like, it's just a dog, so I'm not allowed to feel anything. If you're on the floor weeping about it, then that's what needs dealing with. I mean, try not to judge yourself. There isn't a right way to do this. It's just the way you're doing it. Yes. Excellent. That's a great way to end it, I think. <laughs> I mean, come on. Um, please. Okay? <laughs> I am okay. I, genuinely, not just am I okay, I feel quite good. And good. I, yeah, good. I feel really, it's a, like a relief cry. Mm-hmm. Good, good. <laughs> and that's a good cry. Yeah, it, it, do, it does. I think that's why it's just so continuous. <laughs> um, but I feel really relieved and I also can make sense of some things that I misplace things in myself. Mm. That like the, Exactly what you're saying about like, okay, the maths and the like, which is all my fear of being like, okay, and how can I can, you know, yeah, yeah. that I wasn't saying, but I was definitely thinking, you know, mm. um, and I knew enough not to say it, but I definitely had those thoughts. And now I can be like, okay, what's for me and what's for them? Yeah, and like, what yeah, do they yeah. actually need? And what I need is to compartmentalize this bits of my own, yeah. my own shit that needs to go in this box. And now I need to show up yeah, and be present yeah, yeah. for somebody else yeah. and be useful and, and empty the bins. <laughs> yeah. Whatever your All these skill- grieving people be like, Carad, they're just coming around, they're just emptying the bins. Please give another tip. Like, <laughs> they keep the, calling the bank. They call no, the bank. I've done the it. bank. Bank's dealt with, bins are empty. Like, can you just tell them, tell them to bring me some flowers? It's so, it's so dark in here. It'd like, be nice to be brighten up something. Yeah. Lovely biscuits, tea bags, yeah. bits. Yeah, yeah. Sh- showing up. Oh, thank you so thank much. Thank you so much. And if you're listening, but get Carrie Ed's book, You Are Not Alone. Because through it, I felt like I could speak to my friends better about it and feel more like, I know it sounds mad, but just feel more the expansiveness of it and how long it will take yeah. and that it's not done in even five years. I'd be like, even five years, you're probably fine. It's like, no, 
No, no, no. It's life. Sorry for the bad news. No, it's good to know. It's good to prepare (laughs) oneself and it's good to be able to be on the same level as other people. Yeah, I suppose for people trying to help, it's a bit of a French dictionary to return to your fluent French. May we? May we? You know, and even if you're struggling through it, you're like, okay, here's here's something concrete that I can try and do. Yeah, yeah, I hope so. Um, And are you just Carriad Lloyd on Instagram? Yeah, I am. Yes, I'm Lady Cant on Twitter, which I wish I wasn't, but it's too late. Lady Carriad, because ostentatious, I imagine. No, it was a double act. Oh my god! Yes, I remember. Lady Carriad and Major Tom. Bad name. Bad name. That's not bad. I don't mind that at all. We lasted about three sessions before he was like, "I don't want to do this," and uh, so I'd I just stuck Lady Carriad on Twitter when it first started. Great. No, I do regret it, but. Look, it's great. It's um, fine. Follow it's, her. There's bigger things to worry about. There is, like yeah. death. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and uh, and so, yes, uh, and then on Instagram, you're at uh, Carriad Lloyd. And um, listen to Griefcast. And um, thank you so much, Carriad. Thank, thank, so thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you for listening. Goodbye. another season of the Palmetto Porch, an original podcast from Discover South Carolina. I'm Devin Whitmire. Join me as I get to the heart of what makes South Carolina such a great place to visit by speaking to the locals who make it so special. Premiering December 5th, find the Palmetto Porch wherever you get your podcasts. And for more information about our show, visit scpalmettoporch.com. Listener.